This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Oh, man. So much has gone on since the last time we got a chance to speak. Hopefully you're doing well. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. It's a free show, and we think that uh, we do a pretty good one. So thank you for all the feedback about it. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes there. Hit that subscribe button if you're an Apple user, and you'll get a new show every time one pops up. And of course, if you're a non-Apple user, you can just go to the website podcast225.com to see what's happening there. It's a weekly show. You'll also find the Waiting Room podcast there, hosted by... Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue, Gastonal now, I believe, and Katie Fetzer, and they do a a phenomenal job with that show. Man, so where should I begin? Hmm. Well, you know, I, I have a new appreciation for all of the people who do work helping people in business avoid cyber attacks, or at the very minimum, hackers who try to get in. I mean, it's it's a huge business to be able to support and, and supply companies with the kind of software that keeps them safe from hackers. You know, the hackers keep the software techs in business. And it's that's a show we got to have sometime soon. I was talking to Kelly LaDuff about that weeks ago about some of the scams that are out there and how we give up so much of our personal information online. But even if you don't, and you're somebody like me who doesn't do a whole lot of that, you are still very susceptible to some clown, probably in his mama's basement, being able to get into your computer and cause you problems and cost you money. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Also, I think... As last week's show aired, I was not uh, in town. I actually had the privilege of learning about a program in Dallas and soon to be in Atlanta called Urban Specialists. It is unbelievable. All I can tell you is Google it. Google Urban Specialists. I got a chance to meet with the pastor who founded the program and see the work that they're doing in schools and in communities in Dallas. And it is real work, okay? It's the, it was founded by Pastor Jawar, Omar Jawar, and Atang Lucky, who used to be a member of the Bloods in Dallas. In fact, he founded the Bloods in Dallas, the gang, you know, Bloods, Crips. He founded the Bloods in Dallas, He's turned his life around, and he and Pastor are working with young men and women who have been on the wrong side of the law, who want to now be a part of the solution, and they're going into the schools, and they're going into the neighborhoods, and they're working as hard as they can to try to get these kids to fall in love with their purpose and not a path to prison. And it was amazing. There was a middle school there. I won't say what middle school that has 1,200 kids, a lot of kids by South Louisiana standards. And they went from a failing school to a passing school in one year, including an increase in attendance and a precipitous drop in truancy rates, all because teachers were able to do what they're paid to do, teach classrooms and not be social workers. And these men went into the schools and they're even on the school buses because once they were able to get the violence and some of the troubles on campus under control, they were finding kids were getting onto the bus, fighting on the buses, fighting at the bus stops, at the transfer sites. So they put these men on the buses and this school, you wouldn't imagine a school with that many kids operating that efficiently and, 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 and that fluid during the day, but I saw it with my own eyes. And it's just, it's, it, was, it was impressive. And so they're doing work in Dallas already. They're starting in Atlanta. And who knows, maybe at some point in the very near future, they'll be here in Baton Rouge. Because Lord knows Baton Rouge needs it right now. If you are not here and not keeping up, you know, 
this town is <clears throat> likely going to have a hundred murders. This this parish, which is for those of you not in Louisiana, a parish is the same as a county. We call our counties parishes here because of the the impact of uh, Catholicism on Louisiana and that whole thing. But it's it seems like a murder a day. And I got to be honest with you. When are we going to start talking about the innocent people who live in poor neighborhoods, who don't break the law, who are just trying to get by, who are being preyed upon by people who just want to cause hell every day? There's so much conversation about people who are knuckleheaded criminals and not enough conversation about the men and women, families, single mothers, grandmothers who live in these neighborhoods who are not doing anything to anybody and who are preyed upon by some of the people there. Now, don't get me wrong. As it relates to the kids, this group in Dallas is an example of how you solve issues of violence in communities. You catch the young people and you you connect them with people who can relate to them and mentor them and be in their lives and make them feel valued and get them to at least try. Just get them to at least try. Because programs for people who are hell-bent on being a criminal don't do very much for the kids caught in the middle and they're caught between becoming a recidivist and come and becoming productive. I'm not pretending to have the answers, but I'm saying some of these kids in Dallas are at that fork in the road where they can go in the direction of crime or they can try to be productive citizens at whatever level they're capable of getting to. And for me, I just enjoy people who are realists about this. Sometimes the carrot is the only way to get people to understand what the best decision is. And then sometimes you got to use the stick, which is a great deterrent from keeping, uh, in keeping people away from some trouble. Now, defining what, what each will look like, I'm assuming or hoping that that would be left to people with more experience in those areas than I. But a trend is building here that is troublesome to me. And we all have to be invested in that. Because not only does a community suffer in terms of losing its young people to caskets and jailhouses, but from a business standpoint, it gets harder and harder to do business in a place that people deem unsafe. It's just a reality. And if we can get the freaking politicians to just put the hyperbole and all of the crap to the side for a little while and focus a little bit on solutions and trying to sit at a table together and work this out, maybe we could get something done. I know, I sound like a fool, right? Yeah. Well, here is something encouraging. Our guest on this week's edition of The Clay Young Show is someone who is... I would categorize her as a reluctant celebrity. And here's what I mean by that. She has gained notoriety for something that no one would ever wish to have happened to them. She is Desha Gerald, the widow of Matthew Gerald, one of the officers killed last July, that being July of 2016 in Baton Rouge. And I got to know her directly after that happened because of my role with the Capital Area Law Enforcement Foundation. She is someone who is very focused on building a bridge between communities and law enforcement agencies. She's now left to parent her three children, and she's got a story to tell. And there was something that happened last year that was the subject of a great deal of conversation. It involved the NFL, the Saints, 
the family of Alton Sterling and the families of the officers killed. And there is an inside perspective to this that you have not heard, or at least you had not heard until this show. Because Desh is going to talk about all of that. Coming up is the first part of our conversation. And she will talk a little bit about her life, her experience, what she did professionally, because many of you may not have known what she did. She's going to tell you in the body of the interview. And we will get to her, the very fiery Desha Gerald, who is my guest next here on The Clay Young Show. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com iTunes and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. John, for our listeners who are in Houston right now, who are really dealing with the aftermath of Harvey, they need to give you a call. They really do. Um, the, the big question is, you know, how long do I wait before I can start, you know, remediation, yeah. removing everything? Yeah. But, the thing you need to do right now, before you do anything, is apply a product called Sterifab. Okay. And you may be wondering, well, why would I do that before I remove the sheetrock? And that's to prevent it from becoming airborne and for you inhaling it. Wow. So it's more of a health risk than anything. Okay. So we're looking at two products, Sterifab, Boracare. The manufacturers have worked with us. We're offering 20% off on that. So give us a call and let us figure out how much you need. Let's give that number a couple of times. 225-273-4788. Again? 225-273. 4788 and we'll help you figure out how much you need based on how much water you had and how much you're going to treat. Make the call today. This is the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Back with Desha Gerald who is uh, my favorite ginger. <laughs> She's fiery. She's honest, and uh, she's she's already signed the door, which is like a thing. And, uh, you know, so that's the first thing. You've got your mark on the room there. Yes, uh, amen. <laughs> you've been trying to get here to sign that door. Too long, yes, <laughs> for sure. So how are you? How have you been? My life is absolutely insane. Tell us about it. Why? Well, I mean, hello, three children yeah. trying to figure out this whole widow thing. Yeah, yeah. Just and then, of course, you know, I I decided to be even crazier and throw in the mix that I'm going back to school. Yeah. So yes, mom and so you're school, going to get your master's. I'm going to get my master's, yeah. and then if God willing, and I don't lose my mind before then, I'm going to do my PhD as well. Oh man. In special education, oh, so we'll see how it goes. So, so for people who are wondering about that, your undergraduate degree is in education. So, actually, I have a bachelor's in social science so, okay. with education concentration, okay. but I have a minor in child development. Okay. I have been teaching special ed for which last year during the um, massive, you know, during the shooting, sure. that would have been my fifth year teaching. Yeah. This year would have made my sixth year teaching. And it's been a hard transition to not working yeah. to, you know, versus working. Yeah. I miss it. Yeah. But at the same time, the way the education system is right now, I'm kind of grateful that I'm not teaching because I get so angry. When yeah. I, you know. Well, you know, for people who are asking about that, because I want to kind of get into a lot of things with you. And there's there's some silly questions that people, I'm sure, ask you all the time. But having now known you for over a year and, and in some of the chats that we've had, uh, what are some things that you want people to know about how you've been over the last year and how things have been for you and and for your kids? I mean, I really don't even know how to answer that question because it's, it's a moment by moment, a day by day. For the most part, you know, yes, we've lost Matt. We miss him every day. Yeah, He's talked about in my house every day. Oh, I yeah. mean, we have one particular room in my house that's dedicated to my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side of that, I have been blessed tenfold, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of crazy to say that. Yeah. But 
I have been, and I'm very grateful. I mean, I've met some amazing people. Yeah. I'm a part of some amazing things. Mm-hmm. You know, Caliph, of yeah. course. Yeah. I've, you know, now I'm a member of Behind the Line, one of the core group members there. Yeah. Um, I've done, you know, many interviews. I've met just a lot of great people. I've met other, you know, widows that I've become really close with. Yeah. Um, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm okay. Yeah. But then I'm not okay. Sure. It really just depends. But I'm I just get up every morning and I put one foot in front of the mm-hmm. other and I make that choice to get up and yeah. see what the day holds and see what the you know what the Lord's gonna bring me that day. What's been the most inspiring thing that you have both learned about yourself and about this town and your family? There when you watch the news, there's a lot of negativity about yeah. division between, you know, in Baton we'll Rouge and the whole nine yards. But yeah. for me, I've seen nothing but camaraderie, you know, mm-hmm. like I have gotten close to so many people and my family has yeah. expanded tenfold, yeah. um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, for me, I've learned a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, like what? It's crazy. Like people see me differently than what I see myself. I guess I'm my self-worst critic. Explain. Um, I've had, I mean, just people telling me, you know, that I'm amazing and I'm strong and, you know, all these things. I mean, I never thought I was a bad person by yeah. any means. Yeah. But just to hear somebody else see you from a different perspective and, you know, people have, you know, private messaged me and said, hey, you know, look, you did A, B, and C and it helped me at this point in my life to be a better person like you're challenging me for example i went to church one morning and i was just in church with my kids and apparently there was a person in baton rouge who goes to the same church that i go to and she posted on facebook and we're not friends on facebook but Mm -hmm. eventually the the post got around to me basically she posted that she had a hectic morning and she felt like she was screaming and yelling at her kids and they were late for church and she was so aggravated and you know blah 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 all this different stuff but she said she happened. I ha- we happened to cross paths going to church that morning, and she said she looked so calm and collected, and yeah. you know this and that. And I actually laugh when I read the post because I'm like, if she had been at my house <laughs> thirty minutes <laughs> or, prior, or if she it'd knew been a, you, or she knew me, that would be a whole nother <laughs> you know story. But it was just amazing to think that just some small gesture like that helps somebody. You know, yeah. I guess check themselves, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of overwhelming. It's kind yeah. of a scary thing, actually. You know, I'm sure you've talked a whole lot about that day over the last year and probably don't want to rehash all of the things about that day again, which I completely, completely understand because we've been in so many meetings and at so many events together where it's come up. And I just showed you the video for the Law Enforcement Foundation, where Colonel Kuvion talked about how you guys are reminded on a daily basis, because you run into people, I'm sure, all the time, who've met you for the first time, and it's kind of what they lead with because they don't know how else to address it. I mean, you want to pretend, hey, everything's normal, but in the back of their mind, they've never met you, they've seen you guys on television or seen you in the newspaper or heard about what's going on. Right. So, for people who meet you on the streets who've never met you before and they know you only from the ma- the most tragic day of your life and quite frankly the most tragic day in the history of this city what do you want them to know Let- let's put them at ease or tell them how you would expect them to approach you if you have a question just ask yeah. i'm gonna give you an honest answer yeah. even if i'm having the worst day of my life that yeah. particular moment or in that moment Hey, y'all might cry. I yeah. may not. Yeah. But don't for, don't be afraid to yeah. not speak to me because you think that I won't talk to you or, you know, that kind of thing. I'm very open and honest about yeah. how my husband's death has made sure. me feel. I've been very honest in public from day one. Um, and you're tougher than people would assume. Most not because they wouldn't assume you're tough. It's just they don't know you. Well, see, that's the thing too. I don't want people like a lot of people think that I'm this. Like you said earlier, you want to talk about me being a ginger. They stereotype me as the typical fiery redhead ginger, which I am. But at the same time, I do have a soft side. Oh, sure. You know, and a lot of people, you know, think that I'm, you know, gruff and, you know, rough. Yes, I am to a certain extent. I don't have a choice. I have to be. But on the flip side, I do have a sensitive side. Oh, sure. I mean, you're you're a human being. So the with the let's talk about the kids as much as 
you want to share about them. Uh, talk about fiery. Holy cow. Oh, my Lord. So my- let's let's talk about uh, your little girls, and then we'll get to baby buttons. But uh, holy cow. So my three, you know, babies, of course, are my, my best blessing. I probably yeah. wouldn't be able to sit here today. Honestly, I don't know that I'd have got through the last year if yeah. I didn't have my kids because my kids helped me stay grounded and focused. Yeah. However, my kids are just like me. Mm-hmm. And let's, put, let's throw in the mix that Matt was not your everyday guy either. He was a very, you know, sociable, very yeah. out there guy. Yeah. He was hardcore. Yeah. I mean, he was military yeah. and then, yeah. you know, police. Hello. Two branches of Two service. Two branches of yeah. service, yeah. you know, Marines and Army. Yeah. And then, you know, here we are, police officer. So my kids have very strong personalities and they speak their mind and there's a fine line between, you know, even for me as parenting to allow them to speak, to be opinionated, but not to be disrespectful. Right. And that's a very tough thing for me because I want my kids to be able to speak their mind Mm -hmm. and to express how they feel about whatever it is and to have strong, you know, feelings about certain things. And they do. But they just do. respect boundaries. I mean, but you just, want them to be able to be honest, especially in, in today's society. Yes. Because people can be so shady and, and so destructive. You want your kids comfortable being able to say, yeah. hey, mom, hey, dad, I don't feel comfortable about this situation yes. over here. And, you know, I've run into situations, you know, where people have criticized me as a parent because I have been very open to my kids about my husband's death. Yeah. They don't know down to like how many gunshot wounds sure. he had and sure. that kind of stuff. But my kids know mm-hmm. specific things about that day. Yeah. And, you know, the day that Hillamore aired the stuff that he did and we yeah. approved it prior to yeah. all that going out, yeah. I allowed my kids to sit with me and watch that after mm-hmm. I watched it initially first. So you can know. Because I yeah. don't want my kids to go to school and let's just say happen, you know, Hillamore has done a great job to not allow anything to get out there that no. we don't want yeah. the world to know. Sure. You know, he's done a great job protecting us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want my kids to go to school and their friends Google Matthew Gerald. Right. And, and find then, that and then raw find video. There's yeah. raw video or whatever. Right. Yeah. And then my kids be blindsided by yeah. it or, or, you know, that kind of thing. I want them to be smart. Yeah. But I want them to know. But again, be aware. That's, be aware. But that's a fine line because then that opens them up for getting ridiculed for mm-hmm. the anti mm-hmm. families mm-hmm. that there are. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. They're out there. Mm-hmm. They teach that to their kids. Yeah. These kids are to mingle with my kids at school, yeah. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. And I just don't want my kids to not be able to be aware yeah. and not be able. Well, to you don't want them themselves. to be bullied as well. Absolutely. You know, I think I think we spoke about that. Yeah, because Hiller did a lot of that here, and I didn't know he was going to do it until I was I was in here with him and, right. and saw a bunch of the stuff, and I'm thinking, wow. And then so we helped. We helped with a lot of that, but I think I talked with you about that. It's already happened to yeah, my kids so, so, once or twice already. Yeah, and so I knew that he was going to do this in a way that was protective to the families. However, absolutely, and I think, well, I know you know Hiller, and you know him to be a man of his yes. word. If yes. if one of y'all had said, not not the majority, if one of y'all had said, "I'm not comfortable with it," he wouldn't have done it. Absolutely, it had to be unanimous. But I'm very grateful that he did. Yeah, and. You know, I would just, I mean, I know Tanya and Tanisha probably feel the same they, they do. in that aspect. I, and so so did James. I mean, right. I spoke I spoke yes. with all of y'all. They yes. all agreed. That was with our yeah. biggest concerns from yeah. day one with yeah. our children. Yeah. I mean, it's already happened until my four year old and sure. she's four. But so, she was three at the time. So So how have they dealt with the last year? I know that you you protect normalcy as much because there's so much love around them and the same goes with Tanya and Trinisha and, and now Becky. But how how do you how do you give them some semblance of normalcy and then keep them separated from all of this other stuff that's happening around them? So for me, I am a very structured person. Um, I was structured prior to Matt's death and we were structured while Matt was here. Mm-hmm. So we're back to being structured. Now granted I'm kind of having to learn how to juggle a few things yeah. and we're still haven't gotten it figured out just yet. Yeah. Um, every day is a different day, but yeah. for the most part, the big pieces of our day or it, like we're, we get up at the same time every morning, sure. you know, by this time we should be dressed for school. By sure. this time we're walking out the door to go catch the bus, mm-hmm. you know, those type of things. I do not watch, I, I choose not to watch the news yeah. because 
honestly, I just, I can't. Yeah. Because every time I turn the news on and another blue, one of my blue family is getting shot and killed, yeah. I, I can't deal. Like, it just brings me back to that day. Mm-hmm. Not that, of course, I don't want to remember that day, but nobody does. Yeah. But my kids and I talk about it, yeah. you know, and we, you know, we pray for these people. And a lot of times, you know, even sometimes I'm compelled by the, you know, my heavenly father to reach out to these, you know, widows and say, hey, look, I've been where you are. Sure. If you need somebody to talk to, I'm sure. here, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I don't necessarily protect them from the outside world because mm-hmm. I don't want my kids to be naive. Yeah. But I am Which is very, a thing. Yes. Yeah. But I am yeah. very protective of my kids, so to speak. You did not long after the shooting with Alton Sterling's children, you went down to New Orleans to do yes. this thing for the NFL. It was more, it was with the Saints, but it was more of an NFL driven initiative. Yes. And boy, you, there were a lot of, of opinions about that. Absolutely. So let's start with how the request was made to invite you down. Who contacted you? I don't remember. Well, I think Don Capola with BRPD okay. during the whole year, mm-hmm. like a lot of stuff was being sent through him first. Yes. And, and Don Capola is, is Don in the public Capo- information yes, office. Correct. And me and Don Capola have become, you know, amazing friends. Don's he's a good guy. He's very protective of us. Great sense of humor, though. Yes. <laughs> Love Don Capola. Him yeah. and my dad have become, you know, fantastic friends. Yeah. You know, he he'll, he still calls, you know, yeah. once every couple of weeks, yeah. check on me, how yeah. you doing, what's going on. So initially, I think the call came through him, and he called. He's like, "Hey, look, you know, I just want to put this out there. Yeah, this is what they're offering, you know, yeah. kind of thing." He kind of sent us an email, I think, initially, and I'm called, and I'm like, "Okay, I have, like, this concerns me. Like, okay. I'm concerned about this situation because I knew it was going to be very controversial." What, what were those concerns? Well, first of all, a lot of people in the area, um, even including some of my family members, assume that. Matt's death was because of the Alton Sterling situation. Mm -hmm. I have a different opinion about that, so to speak, um, in the situation. And the reason why I say that is because Alton Sterling's situation didn't necessarily, he didn't, it didn't kill my husband. My husband was killed by another person. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's a lot of, there was a lot of anger you know, that words in Baton Rouge because of that situation, mm-hmm. you know, the whole nine yards. But I just prayed about it, honestly. I prayed about it for a couple of weeks, and I mm-hmm. told Donna, I was like, I really need to process this, and I really need to think about this because this could really go bad for me or this could really be good for me. Yeah. However, the good Lord kept bringing me back to that day that I spoke in front of, you know, my church the day we had the memorial service when all three of the wives spoke on national television, mm-hmm. you know, that was being, you know, yeah. fed by many people. Um, I made a promise on that podium that day that I was going to continue to do my husband's work and to try to bridge the gap. Yeah. So as controversial as Alton Sterling's situation was, the situation, you know, was given to me. I called my Uncle Dwayne because he's a man of faith, and I'm like, hey, Uncle D., like, I don't really know what I should do about this situation. You know, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really know a whole lot about, um, I didn't know a whole lot about, you know, what I should do, how I should do it, you know, that kind of thing. And we talked about it, and he knew Warwick Dunn. He, yeah. You know, he had, he had read his book, mm-hmm. and he knew a little bit about him. I honestly, at the time, didn't know mm-hmm. who he was. So, of course, you know, I did my research, you sure. know, that kind of stuff. Um, and and for those of you listening who, and for, for, for lots of people from here, you do know, but for those of you who are listening and who don't know Warwick Dunn's story, uh, Warwick Dunn is, and he was an NFL player. Uh, he, I think he played 10 or more years in the NFL with Tampa and Atlanta. And the thing about him here in Baton Rouge that makes him so much of an amazing person is he is the son of a Baton Rouge police officer who was assassinated nearly 20 years ago. And a and, bank robbery. And a bank robbery. Mm-hmm. And Warwick has used a great portion of his earnings from the NFL to help <clears throat> poor mothers own a home for the first time. Yes. And he has been one of the best people to have ever come out of Baton Rouge. Absolutely, I agree. So with that being said, you know, 
I'm a school teacher, mm-hmm. and I've taught in um, some pretty low income, sure. you know, schools. Sure. And I've been challenged, you know, with these kids who, you know, the, they're used to, you know, gangs and living mm-hmm. on the streets. Some yeah. living in their cars and, yeah. you know, different things like that. I saw a lot of that in Dallas last week. Yeah. So I'm that person that, you know, I just try to look at things from a different angle, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I just kind of put myself in. I looked at it from a different perspective. If I was... Alton Sterling's son, Cameron. If mm-hmm. I was Cameron Sterling, how you know how would I want the world to look at me? And I don't think that it's fair that people judge Cameron Sterling just because of who his father is. Because we don't get to choose your parents. Yeah. The good Lord has that all figured out yeah. before you ever come along. Right. And being a woman of faith, you know, Cameron didn't choose who his father was. Um, so at the same time, I had two. I had two decisions to make. I can either continue to follow the crowd and the popular and do the popular census, or I could be. I could stand out and try to make a difference. And just the way I thought about it, and, and I ran it through my uncle Dwayne. I'm like, you know, it's not Cameron's fault of what the person happened to his, Matthew. What you know yeah. exactly? And, yeah, right. And that whole thing. Cameron yeah. Sterling didn't shoot my husband. Yeah. You know, and yeah. here we have a 15, 16 year old child who yeah. also has lost his father too. Yeah. So as a mother of three children, mm-hmm. if our situations were reversed, I would hope that there would be somebody who could make a difference sure. that people are listening to that would take the high road. So that's ultimately what I chose to do. So when you decided to do this, who did you send word back to? Like, was it back through Don or did you? So basically I told Don, you know, hey, look, I'm willing to do it, you know, kind of thing. And then from there, the NFL started contacting us. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked to them. And then, of course, you know, I met, we talked to Warwick Don over the phone. And then we actually met him in person. um, Before before before, doing the game. Before doing the game kind of thing. Right. And then, you know, that was the other thing, too. You know, who do you take with you to this game? Yeah, so let me ask that. So what was, did they tell you, hey, you can come, your kids can come, and can, and you bring... And you can invite, I was able to bring two extra people. That was a very hard thing for me because, you know, I have, you know... Big family, fam- lots of people have, who want to go do this. I have a huge this. family, yeah. right. Yeah. And I have a lot of them that are huge sure. football fans, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Well, of course, my Uncle Dwayne was one of the first ones I thought of mm-hmm. just because he had helped me make this decision, and he wanted to meet Warwick Dunn in person anyway. So crazy as it is, I bought Warwick Dunn's book and had him autograph it for my Uncle Dwayne to give to him um, as a gift because he literally prayed, you know, helped me pray through that and helped me make that decision, you know, that I made that particular day yeah. that I was going to go ahead and go with it. But at the same time, I knew that it was going to be a lot of people, even my own, fa- you know, oh, even in my own oh, in-laws. Yeah. All, were all like, hell was going to break loose. Yes. Like yeah. even my father-in-law, he's like, hey, I love you, you know, and everything, but I don't really know about this too much, Desha, you know, but yeah. hey, I'm trusting, you know, you, you've done a great job. Yeah. I understand why you're doing what you're doing, yeah. you know, so, you know, of course I had the support, but hesitantly, you mm-hmm. know, from, you know, certain family members, you know, that kind of stuff. And their hesitation was because? The just the hurt and yeah. the, the natural grieving because this process. was fairly because this was fairly early on in that's, the process. That's exactly right. This is yeah. less than two months or you know, less than three months after because it was it was an early season game against Panthers, right? Yes, Carolina, Cal- Cam Newton, yes. and all of them. Cam yeah, Newton, correct. So, so then you make your decision to get down there, and you're going to go to the game. Once you get there, what happens? So I'll. Just to put this out there, too, I'm also that parent that I always prepare my kids for stuff. Like, if I know that we're going to be doing something big like this and Mm -hmm. it's going to involve anything dealing with the shooting, I always try to prepare them. Because my kids are those kids. As long as you prepare them, they're typically okay. Yeah. But if they get blindsided by something, they have complete meltdowns. Yeah. It's happened to me when we went to Washington, D.C., because they didn't know the enormity of that thing. You're talking about it yes, in May. In May, when yeah. we went to the police Pull week. Pull that mic a little closer to you. We went to the you know police week. It was, we'll talk about that in a minute. That yeah. was huge. But, um, so I prepared them, you know, as best I could as a parent, you know. And we get to the, you know, New Orleans and we, you know, we tour the, you know, the 
the behind the scenes that yeah. nobody else really gets to see, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. And then, of course, you know, the Sterling family gets there, and then it's time for us to meet. Well, they let Cameron and I meet first, separate from everyone else kind of thing, you know, that kind of stuff. His family was off to the side, and to back up, I took my cousin, who's been my sidekick pretty mm-hmm. much my entire life, my cousin, Deshell, I took her with me and my godchild. That way, nobody's feelings get hurt. My oldest one has Victoria with her, her little cousin, so if she needs somebody there to kind of you know, help her get through the day. Then she has Victoria. At the time, I was pregnant for Fallon, so I didn't have to worry about mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And then I had Finley. I can manage, you know, we can manage Finley. We can tag team Finley together, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of stuff. Um, So all these things happen. We get there, and I'll never forget the first time I ever met the Cameron family in my life. Like, I was a day I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. I walked into this room, and Finley flipped out like she just didn't want it because she had seen the news and all the negativity that mm-hmm. came along with it yeah you know cameron's faces you know um cameron's face is plastered all over the news but yeah. it's, it's all following this negative yeah. persona because of alton sterling his dad yeah. you know the whole nine yards you know that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um you know and so Finley, of course, you know, she didn't want to initially go in. So my cousin had to just kind of like take her out the back and kind of talk her through it mm-hmm. type of thing. I don't know what that conversation consisted of because we never really talked about it. But I just knew she didn't initially want to go in. Okay. Dawson kind of clung to my side a little bit, you know, that kind of thing, just because she's typically shy. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's just her personality until you get to know her a little bit. And then, God forbid, she opens up. But <laughs> then you'll see the side over that sometimes I wish people didn't see. But my kids are just raw and real, just like their mom. So I can't fault them for that. But um, Cameron literally walks up to me and he like he literally like bear hugs me and this kid starts crying and he was like, I've always I've been wanting to meet you since the other day that I saw, you know, the shooting. He's like, it's not fair, you know, that your kids don't have their dad. I know what that feels like, like this emotional, just like this little teddy bear and me as a mom and a teacher, like I didn't even know how to respond to that, like. I didn't expect that, I guess. The best kid you could ever meet. Very, very intelligent kid. Very smart kid. Very well-mannered. Very respectable. But at the same time, I was still cautious. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I didn't want to say anything negative or wrong. So I had just decided before we even got there that we were just going to enjoy the day. And we were going to pray ourselves through it. Mm -hmm. And whatever happened, happened. You know, and if you know, some kind of touchy moment happens to come up in the process of whatever, then we would deal with it as it comes. But we didn't have any hiccups within, you know, 30 minutes of us meeting them, met his mom, his grandmother. It was his grandmother's birthday that day. Yeah. We had a fantastic day. We had an amazing time. My kids started high-fiving Cameron. Next thing I know, Finley's on top of his shoulders. We're walking through the stadium to get to our, you know, our seats where the box where we're going you know, Dawson's, you know, car, doing cartwheels down the alleyway. And, you know, me and Deshelle are just, like, looking at each other, like, amazed how, you know, everything's going so far. But at the end of the day, you know, there was two people who come from two controversial issues who were able to be in the same room and just love each other mm-hmm. and not have any negative, you know, persona or anything at all. And it was just – it was a really just great day all the way around. Like, it was just a really good day. And the aftermath of that, when 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 because it when you recorded it, it was a while after that was on television though, right? It, it, yeah, it was a it was a couple of weeks, yeah. I guess. But we, you know, again, I got to see the footage before it aired. Sure. And you know, there was even during the you know NFL process, you know, we did go out to you know, we went to the grave sites mm-hmm. separately. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of where I drew the line as a person. I'm like, there's a lot of things I can do, but at no disrespect, I don't feel comfortable going to Alton Sterling's grave. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and I kind of just, you know, put my feelings out there. You know, nothing. The NFL that, wanted y'all to do that. 
well, in the fi- the filming process, they thought it would be a good idea to show us at their gravesite yeah, and that's, our gravesite, and I was uh, like, that's a little, probably yeah, a, a little, little more personal yeah, than yeah, I want to get. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of okay. pushing the book. I wondered about that kind of thing. So, but so that was the only thing, okay. though, the only thing, and neither I don't think either either one of us was really comfortable with that idea, so they didn't. We didn't. That's really it. a breach of privacy, right there. So, okay, so you get through this, then it's done. Yes, it's, it's done. happened. It makes air. Yes. What feedback that you get from your inner circle and then people that you met to be honest with you for me the majority of my feedback was positive mm-hmm. feedback to be honest with you yeah. a lot of people commended me you know for standing up you know for even though it was so controversial to try to make a difference yeah you know that kind of thing but the people who didn't I guess agree with me on the subject once they I think talked to me or found out my reasonings behind it sure. and I was able to kind of lay that groundwork yeah they were like well I mean I guess that makes sense I guess I can understand that you know that but you can't stuff. build a bridge without things like this no you can't you can't no and you have to you yeah. have to do things that are uncomfortable and you have to do things that people are not necessarily going to agree with mm-hmm. But that's just my personality. I've always been that person. I've never been a follower. Go along to get along. Right. Right. If you don't like me, you don't like me. If you do, you do. That's just the bottom line. And I'm going to be me. Right. And I'm a woman of faith. And again, you know, it's like God presented me with an opportunity at this point in time in my life. Mm -hmm. I could have walked away from it and not taken the challenge. Right. Or I could rise up and do what he would want me to do and try to... Get, kill some of that division yeah. that we have going on in Baton Rouge. There is there is a lot that that I still want to ask you about. So you may you may you may move into the rare stratosphere of someone who gets a part two. Mm. Mm, Richard right. Condon's had the most part twos, and I don't know that I agree with my decision to do that or regret it. But you know Richard Condon, so. <laughs> yes. uh, because there's so much still to get to. I am willing to. to answer and talk about whatever well, you want to talk. I'm an open book. So we get through this. And again, I'm not one for the kind of nosy questions that don't do anything but just feed people's need to be in people's business. Because I'm kind of an arm's length person with people anyway. But I do think that there are lots of people who can learn from what you have come through and then how you have handled it. The the perception of police officers now. Now, I know that it's all over social media and it's on television and we've got this stuff in the NFL. But a year and a half ago, this was not the national dialogue. No. And this was a rare thing that happened because police officers like priests, like businessmen, like teachers, there's always going to be bad eggs in anything where human beings are involved. Absolutely. I have never had a police chief or police officer who would deny that there are some people in law enforcement who ought to be doing something else. There's, that's every job. Every that's job. That's any job. But the way that police are characterized, like it is almost the assumption that the majority of cops are crooks, racists, or thieves, criminals. Yes. And I think that's inaccurate and unfair. Makes me sick and it's very unfair. So speak to that. You want to make me angry in a New York minute? Get me to start talking about that because I don't understand where society has gone. When I was a kid, the police officer, a teacher, a doctor... Those were the, the a fireman. Those were the jobs that these kids wanted to do. And you gave respect. And we without gave even respect to, without even having to be yeah, told yeah, to give respect. That's right. Nowadays, there's such a lack there of it. Yeah. But the part that gripes my tail about it all, to be honest with you, is these people who mm-hmm. are anti-police. They're the ones who are in domestic disputes at home, or they're the ones who get into trouble, or they need help, and the first person they call is nine one one. And guess who comes into your call? The that's same right. person that you claim you dislike or that you hate. Mm-hmm. They didn't look at the color of your skin to say, hey, you know what, you don't like police, I'm not coming to help you. Yeah. They help they you no job. matter what. They do their job no matter race, color, creed, religion. But you still have the audacity to hate these people mm-hmm. when you don't even know who they are. Right. These are human beings right. who have families at home. Right. Who behind, They wear a badge, yes, and they uphold the law. But when they go home, they want to be like every other human. They want to forget about the horrific accident that they had to work mm-hmm, that day. Mm-hmm. They want to forget about, you know, they, they don't want to write tickets. Right. They don't want to, you know, do, but that's what their job is. Sure. And the thing that most people don't understand is a police officer, they don't choose to be police officers. Mm-hmm. They're called to be a police officer. Right. 
You know, that's a job that you're called to do. So I want to ask this question. This will be the final question for part one of our conversation because there's so much more that I want to get to with you. And luckily, I get to choose. So I do choose to have you come back and do a second part. But I, I want to talk about the other side of this. I know police officers who are very involved in the inner city. Absolutely. And the I, I have always resisted the assumption that if someone is poor they're probably a criminal. I don't think being poor means that you're going to be a criminal. No, because I've, I've been raised sure, in a poor, sure. you know, necessarily as poor, and I'm not a criminal. And I don't think, means. and I've said this before, that in the inner city, which is kind of code for black communities, right. that the majority of the people there are not criminals. That the majority of the people there just want to be able to have the same thing that everyone else wants. They want safety. They want love for their family. They want everyone to be able to get along. And so it's my thought that, man, for people on either extreme of this, the people who want to make every cop out to be a demon and the people who want to make every person in the hood out to be a criminal, you people are not helping. Y'all should shut up and let the rest of us deal with (laughs) this situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree 100%. So I, I want to come back and talk more about the division. I want to talk a little bit about some of this race crap that goes on that I think is fueled by people who only want to benefit from the division. Absolutely. And then some of the leadership of the city of Baton Rouge oh, and things going, oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah, I know you got a lot to say. Listen, that chair she's yes. in right now, she's been trying to get into that chair for almost a year. And since yes. you are here now, we're, we're going to empty the entire bucket. I'm ready. So you're going to come back for part two? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Absolutely. So we'll come back and wrap up. And then next week, Desha will be back again. And then we'll talk a little bit about her daughter's predictive powers. Oh, yes. Because there's a story that a few people have heard you tell. You guys will not believe this story. And she Was she two for two? She yes. Okay, that, that's one, all I want to say. Yes, <laughs> the oldest was, has been two for two. She was two for two on something, and yes. it's amazing. So we'll bring Desha back and talk about that. Listen quickly, and we'll do it again next week. If people want to follow you on social media, how can they do that? I do have um, a Facebook account, which um, I've gotten. Or would you rather them not follow you on social media? To be honest with you, I've just come to terms with the fact that people want to be a part of my life you have the negative ones but you also have the ones who are positive so Mm -hmm. I've just accepted the fact that you know there's people who's been on this journey with me since day one and they want to continue if you know they start to be negative on my you know if I start seeding negative on my Facebook feed I just block them them. block them out well um but yes I do have Facebook for sure um you know I'm also on Instagram as well mm -hmm. um you know, but I try to strictly only post, you know, things about my kids because let's just be honest, you know, I try to keep some of my personal life personal Sure. to the, you know, to a certain extent. And for the most part, people have been very um, accommodating of that. It's never going to be perfect. But it's never going to be perfect. No, indeed. So in addition to that aspect, you know, talking about the divisions and all of that, there is a, a new group that deals with police wives and widows that you're a part of. I want to give them some publicity on the next show. Yes. And then I want to talk with you a little bit more about something you mentioned early on, and that is this notoriety that you now have that you're learning how to work through because it isn't the kind of notoriety that anyone would ever ask for, but it is what it is, and you got to live with it. So we'll come Absolutely. back and we'll continue in, uh, next week in part two of our conversation with Desha. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. Brian, let's talk a little bit about some of the fiduciary responsibilities you have and how people should be a little more discriminating about who they speak with in terms of their money. Look, it's very simple. Uh, the laws have changed recently. Uh, so Trump delayed this fiduciary rule that mm-hmm. was going to happen in April, mm-hmm. but it's now here. So yeah. the fiduciary law, all banks, brokers, insurance companies, all are, they're trying to figure out what direction they're taking. Right? Yeah. So uh, yeah. they've taken away product base for a lot of people. 
The question you want to ask yourself right now, the person you're working with, is what products and services have been taken away from their options yeah. that the CEO did, not the nice guy you're working with. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So the point being is when I left ING over 10 years ago, they changed the law. That was the Dodd-Frank Act. Mm-hmm. Now it's the fiduciary rule. Mm-hmm. If I would have stayed with ING, I would not be competitive. Today, I'm the most competitive option on the street. No doubt. Give me a call. Let's find out what options that you need to know about today. Upgrade your financial team by contacting the folks at Brian Lowe Financial online at brianlowfinancial.com. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Really impressive lady, right? There's just no way of... No other way of saying it. All three, all four now, unfortunately, that that number has grown of these ladies are impressive. And I've gotten to know them all. And as most of you know, Tanya Garofola and Trenisha Jackson have been on the show before. And they are very dynamic as well. In fact, they've been on twice. So Desha's got some catching up to do. We have not spoken to Becky Anderson, but at some point we will. I want to go back a little bit to what we talked about or what I was talking about in the beginning of the show. And I just really want to encourage everyone out there who has the time or the resources to look for a way to invest in fixing what is wrong and fixing this violence as much as you can. I just say try. And please believe me, I am trying to practice what I am saying as much as I can with the available time that I have. But I just, I don't like the trend that's happening right now. And we can egghead something to death. But sometimes it just takes being there and being involved with these kids to make all the difference in the world. And yes, some of you out there listening may say, hey, I'm white. What am I going to do going into the hood and trying to make an impact? And the answer to that is, if that's the way you think, you're already closed off from being a part of the solution. Because there are people and programs in this town and in cities like it that are diverse, and they're going into these areas and trying to help kids. I mean, you got to be smart, obviously. And vet out groups that are trying to do it the right way and for the right reasons. But I don't think we leave this to government. Alone. I'm only hoping that we can try. Again, I'm, I'm only hoping that we try. I'll leave it at that. Because I just don't have a whole lot of confidence in some of what I have been hearing lately. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll work. Let's hope something changes. All right. Part two of our conversation with Desha is next week. We appreciate you listening to the show. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR or on Facebook forward slash ClayYoung. And you can email me directly That email address is clay at podcast225.com. Love your feedback on this one. Tell me what you think. And thanks again to Desha for being here for part one. She'll be back for part two next week. Until then, you guys have a great one and be safe out there. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.